Welcome to This is ADHD. I'm your host, Chris Johnson. Late diagnosed with ADHD, a senior leader and a personal change coach, I work with people that want to change their lives for the better. In my coaching work, I work with people to understand what is getting in the way of making changes and how they can not only get that change in their lives, but also feel good whilst they're doing it. I typically work with people over a series of sessions, but in This Is ADHD, I use those same coaching skills to have a real conversation about what it's like to have ADHD. The conversations in This Is ADHD are about putting a face to the name, label, or diagnosis of ADHD, and showing that ADHD cannot be described in a single conversation with a single person. And so whilst my ADHD is almost definitely different to yours, both of us are still valid. In today's episode, I'm talking with Harini Shankar. As an expat from India, now living in the US, um, Harini and I met on Fred's when the site first opened and we started talking about where all the good diets were. And I introduced her to the change work um, by Sheru Azadi, uh, which has been so transformative for me. Um, and yeah, we bonded over that. Um, content warnings for this episode include um, depression, anxiety, loneliness, isolation. There is a brief mention of suicide rates. Uh, we talk a lot about societal stigma, including mental health and neurodivergence. So, if you want to grab a hot drink, sit back, and let's get into the conversation. And today I am joined by Harini Shankar. She is a mom of two. She is a wellness entrepreneur and an advocate for physical and mental health in women. Hi Harini, how are you doing? Doing pretty good. How are you? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. I am excited about this conversation. We've been chatting for so long <laughs> about this, even before starting the recording. Quite a um, bit. Yeah. Yeah. So just really briefly, um, what do you call your ADHD? Uh, I call it a fuel for relief and rage all at the same time. <laughs> Love that. Uh, it's... It's not been that long since my diagnosis. So, um, and, and I got it at a time when I was most desperate for answers. So to get the answer, like to get a confirmation from a professional was like a huge weight lifted off my shoulders. But I also spent quite a bit of time grieving for all those mm. decades in my life of struggling with it, not understanding it, not having anyone in my circle have a clue about it, what I was going through, getting advice that was probably more harmful. Um, and to live with that for all these decades without knowing that, and, you know, from grief, there is a bit of rage there. Mm. Especially when I found out there are so many of us who are being diagnosed late in life and have been living for decades, not knowing. Yeah. And how did you kind of go from not knowing you had ADHD to ADHD? 
Well, um, this is actually a long story. I wonder if um, mm. if it's okay going into the long version of it. Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, because um, the uh, so I have been in the U.S. for about seventeen years, but I've been living in India before that, and even after moving here, most of my friends or you know we go towards or are attracted to the people like us, and so I was mostly with uh, hanging around. Um, you know, immigrants like myself who are, you know, struggling with the strange struggles and learning the same, uh, you know, cultural differences and everything. And um, um, both in India, well, and especially in the U.S., um, loneliness has been something that's been a friend for a long, long time. And I'm beginning to learn that a lot of people with ADHD and other neurodivergent traits do have to struggle with loneliness a lot. Um, even people without, um, especially in the U.S., uh, the, especially the pandemic has blown up, out the situation of how much loneliness is an epidemic. And it's something I've been living with a lot. And uh, I think that uh, started, uh, and, and then of course the loneliness and the incapacity incapability to do all the things I wanted to do, I came here very ambitious. And then in a few short years, finding out I'm not able to do the things that I wanted to do. And that reality hitting me a little too hard, I think. And I started spiraling into a few years of very severe depression. Um, and, and the entire time I was in that dark pit, I didn't know to think, to even think that it was a mental health thing. I didn't even know what I was going through was depression because I grew up in India where mental health was, that, that term was completely unknown. Um, I Honestly, I don't know if things have gotten at least a touch better now than when I was growing up. But when we talk about a mental health hospital in India, we would all, always think about crazy people. Uh, you know, mm -hmm. people who uh, are in, in, insane, um, who have lost touch with reality, who have to be committed into a clinic because they don't know how to live in life. Mm -hmm. when, you, when we talked about mental health hospitals or mental health clinics, that was the picture that every single one of us had. That was the picture of all the movies and TV shows. They, all of them, when they spoke about people needing help, that was the picture they always gave. And also, uh, you know, growing up with parents who would always say, who would always admire the people who knew how to be strong in the face of struggles without breaking down, that breaking down was a sign of weakness, not a sign of just needing help, not a sign of humanity. Um, that was the programs in my head and probably in the head of almost every single person growing up in India. Mm -hmm. So um, I had no clue. Um, when I went through those few years of depression, I had no clue that it was depression. Uh, it, when I went for finding out whether I had ADHD just recently, that's when, when, when I discussed those things, my therapist is saying, oh, that's what you went through was this, what you went through is this, um, you know, revisiting all points of my life and actually getting answers. And uh, so the, that, that was who I was uh, before mm. ADHD, going through and really suffering and mm. uh, then I took a well not took as a long word I was forced to take a five-month 
a break from career mm-hmm. because of immigrant paperwork. Um, forced to stay in India um, for a few months. But I now I realize I was given those few months to rediscover what I really liked doing, who I was, to slow down, um, to to just enjoy the break because I have no other choice. Um, to uh, you know, revisit my childhood passions, things that I really enjoyed doing, things that helped me survive in childhood, even though I was uh, a child growing up with ADHD. And if uh, a mental health professional saw me as a child, it would have been extremely clear that I was a child with ADHD. Mm-hmm. Because, um, especially in my very younger years, I was probably even the typical ADHD, you know, the uh, mm-hmm. hyper uh, um, hyperactive one and then mm-hmm. being you know with disciplining and all those things becoming an inattentive type if that makes sense yeah um that kind of internalized hyperactivity so the hyperactivity is still there but it's not visible on the outside absolutely um the, you know i've been given loving titles by my relatives and family you know the dream girl or the girl who can get lost into her own world who forgets the absent-minded professor i mean the signs were all there it was very very obvious but because it was a non-existent thing in india to die to 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 see if a child needs um, help or these kinds of titles adhd or autism were unheard of and laughable even for a majority of the people in India that I never got the diagnosis. But anyway, that was who I was um, before ADHD. I had to figure out, I had to resolve my own uh, depression. I had to resolve my own, or I have to live with my own ADHD, figure out my own tools. Um, and, and, and I was actually doing that. And now when I look at my younger self, I'm so proud of her. I want to give her a hug and tell her that she was doing what a mental health professional would be taught in school, you know, the tools and everything that she was figuring out. I actually did, uh, you know, those dark years of depression, I did figure out how to claw myself out of that um, and everything. And then having kids and figuring that out and, you know, breaking down so often mm-hmm. because I'm taking on more and more and more without knowing what I was going through, like taking on more responsibilities in career, taking on more relationships like marriage and friends and taking on the responsibilities of motherhood without knowing any of this. And uh, the pandemic really uh, revealed that I need help. And around that time, mental health was being talked about more in the US. Mm-hmm. Um, social media, were act, you know, there were a lot of people who were opening up. Uh, a big thanks to them. Um, you know, the, how things that people went through before the pandemic were getting, uh, you know, proportioned out in the pandemic because of the pandemic. Uh, you know, being forced to live with yourself, you know, your challenges become more uh, bigger. Mm-hmm. And I, interestingly, I was part of a uh, a, a mission at the time. Uh, where there was a leader who was uh, having, who was promising a thousand-mile bike ride to uh, 
bring awareness to autism or collect funds for autism and calling on whoever wants to participate in their own way, you know, either running a hundred miles or biking mm-hmm. with him or doing any kind of other, you know, physical fitness so that we can come out of this pandemic funk at the same time, you know, share that on social media and bring awareness and incre- increase funds for, uh, you know, helping uh, people with autism. And, uh, and I, and I thought I'm going to participate in this. I did run a hundred miles, hundred miles in 30 days for, um, uh, for, as a part of, as, as a part of that team, for lack of a better word. But I also didn't want to just run. I wanted to understand what autism was about. Uh, you know, why funds are short for that, why people need help, uh, you know, because I, like I said, we never knew anything about this. So when I started reading what autism was about, how it presents itself in men and women, you know, all that mess, uh, I actually identified a few things myself, in myself. And um, I started reading about those traits specifically. You know the traits where you can get you can get lost into something um, mm-hmm. without uh, regarding other needs, you know, which is what hyperfocus was. Um, but whereas people with ADHD apparently their trait their hyperfocus can shift from one subject to the other. Autism people with autism, you know, they have specific mm-hmm. interests that they stick with and they ideally might stick with for life. Um, but I was reading about all those things and I figured, and I started identifying myself in some of those traits. And I thought, this is, this is hitting too close to home. Maybe mm-hmm. I should explore this or maybe I should reach out to a, prof- a professional and actually find out if I actually do have one of these things and which is, which, which would probably even answer so much in my life. And I took on these online ADHD diagnosis tests, you know, which you can show to a professional for uh, help saying, this is why I came to you. I did all that. Everything was like, you know, saying, you know, this is too obvious. Basically, that was my score mm-hmm. in all of those test, tests. Mm-hmm. Um, and then in just one sitting, she said, my therapist said, yeah, we're going to start with this diagnosis. We might later find out it's PTSD or something, but we're going to start with this diagnosis. Mm-hmm. And every following appointment, she was like, that's an ADHD thing. That's an ADHD thing. Mm-hmm. That's an ADHD thing. Um, and so and it was really a transformation and a, com- a complete uh, redefining of my life, getting that diagnosis. And um, I'm just thinking, like, with your upbringing, with the views of mental health that you were kind of were in, in your brain at the time, how did you kind of overcome that of saying, actually, I, I want to go and have a diagnosis? So if, if when you were growing up, you only saw mental health issues as going, actually, this person is crazy and needs to be locked up for their own safety. How do you kind of go, oh, I need help with my mental health? It, it feels like a really big jump of going, oh, actually, I need some help. And like, I, I don't need to be locked up, but I need to like get some support. It feels like a, a really transformational ch- change. For me, it absolutely was. Um, and uh, I'm hearing or connecting with more people who are mental health professionals in India today, which itself is a good sign. Um, like child mental health professionals uh, and, you know, 
careers like that. Mm-hmm. So I'm hoping things are inching better today. Mm-hmm. But if I if I was still living in India, with the chaos of it, where I wouldn't have I would have zero time to go and explore things online and learn about things myself. If I was still living in that environment in India, I still wouldn't get that. I wouldn't have gotten that diagnosis. Um, it's, uh, I think it's that innate curiosity that a lot of us have, um, wanting to learn more and, um, wanting to understand some things more. Um, and when subjects like mental health come up on social media, I think people with ADHD, a lot of us, they call it the rabbit hole where we spend an entire night without sleep, without food trying to understand a subject and becoming overnight experts in something, you know, mm-hmm. um, that's who we are. Um, and living in the U S um, I think the, just a better, the living with mildly lesser chaos than the world of India is um, having a, you know, a little breathing space to, to feed my curiosity, to explore things here. Um, I think that definitely helped. I uh, became a wellness entrepreneur or rather an aspiring wellness entrepreneur, if I'm being honest, um, way before I got my diagnosis. And so the curiosity to learn about overall aspects of health and how nutrition feeds into that mainly has been something I've been reading a little bit about consistently for several years. That is definitely one interest that hasn't waned. That is uh, definitely something I can still hyper-focus on. that I'm still passionate about, that I still love to learn and understand and play a role somewhat in breaking barriers and reaching out to people. Um, And so I've always been learning about that. So I think it was just a matter of time as someone who's been Mm -hmm. educating themselves about wellness to to land somewhere here uh, to say, oh, this is a mental health thing that I need help with. Just that Mm -hmm. recognition. Not that I was weak, or um, I uh, have to work on my relationship with my husband or that I am uh, not doing the things that I need to do or that I'm over judging myself, which, which might have been true, but the bigger, it, it was not the cause. It was just a symptom of mm. me judging myself too harshly. Um, but then those were the things. I mean, and then I, I, it's not like I didn't cry out for help especially when I was going through those few years of very, very uh, intense depression, I was crying for help. I was, but I was crying to help to the wrong people. I didn't know it was a mental health thing that I need to reach out to someone who with, a, with, a, with a degree in mental mm-hmm. health or a professional mental health expert. I didn't think to, I didn't even, I didn't even connect the dots. And, uh, the friends and family that I was reaching out to gave me all kinds of advice. Uh, you know, just take a vacation um, or you're judging, you're just judging yourself too harsh, harshly. Just take it easy. Mm. Um, you know, uh, don't read too many self-help books because uh, you're, you're judging yourself against those books. Um, I was getting all those, and I was getting a lot more, a lot of advice um, mm. in saying, you know, maybe your husband-wife relationship needs work. or and, and my poor husband, I went in through those dark years after my marriage, and he was completely lost. And just the fact that in spite of being lost, being with me, 
just staying with me mm -hmm. as a silent you know person he didn't give me any advice this amazing man he just mm. sat there and was like i don't know what's going on but i'm here mm. um i think that's uh, at, at least that that was a huge uh, help in at least coming out of this because i did come out of those dark years without a mental health professional and i would not recommend it at all um you know if you if you think you're struggling uh, to get through the day that's a sign that you might need to talk to someone uh, talk to an expert not to a friend mm -hmm. um but uh I, the thing is i didn't know in those years i did not know it, unless it, I, i do owe this uh pandemic for that knowledge you know for that uh for for i i owe the people who started speaking more about mental health online that made it that made it accessible to me to uh, explore um and yeah. i owe it to the movements that people may, did like those the thousand mile bike ride and other things where people were talking about supporting uh you know funds for autism or funds for um you know even homeless veterans who are going through mm. mental health challenges themselves um and just exploring that understanding that uh you know how dire the situation is around mental health in the US um it opened my eyes to things that i was going through myself so it it a lot of factors uh just fell in place for me to understand there is that this is a mental health thing mm. i think what i'm hearing and you tell me if i'm a million miles away is if you don't have or if you didn't have that diagnosis essentially it was your fault and there was something that you had to fix within your persona 90% yes okay um absolutely and i think that's true mm. even because i'm seeing so many people in the us also getting a late diagnosis and in fact um hearing um uh, some of the folks with the different uh, with people with adhd types that was not hyperactive like combination or inattentive mm -hmm. they all, even though they may have gotten a diagnosis as a as a child still not getting the tools that would help them work with their traits um mm -hmm. uh, you know and uh, just um playing around with medication which also probably is better today than it was 30 years ago i would think um mm -hmm. just from the conversation i'm seeing online with other uh folks who went through similar a similar journey um 90% i like like i said i would get loving titles like an absent mm. absent when people called me or when my family called me an absent minded professor um uh, they were not saying you forgetting is your fault it's just that mm. you forgetting is something you know that's making things difficult for everybody but uh mm -hmm. you know as a because you're a child we live with it yeah you know um but as an adult yes it's all your fault if you if you're late to an appointment mm. and 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 honestly um if without if i myself didn't know i needed uh to explore the side of mental health and seek help how would someone who's not going through anything relate to that right mm -hmm. unless we talk about it more unless we bring up the subject more and uh, we're we're exploring a lot of things when a lot of voices are talking about their mental health um 
uh, or talking about their neurodivergence um, mm-hmm. online. Uh, and there are people who don't fall into that uh, in, into, into that umbrella, um, questioning it or ask or not understanding, not accepting it, maybe. But at least they're listening. If their information is reaching their ears, mm-hmm. um, so that if, if they do see someone struggling because of all this information online, they might say, maybe you need to ask for help. I don't know. Um, yeah. But when I myself, someone who's going through it myself, didn't have that information, didn't understand, and I was blaming my own self. Um, yes, I can say that other people were blaming me. Other people were pointing fingers at me and saying it was my fault. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was. Uh, it was a. It was a responsibility. If I wanted to be on time, mm-hmm. I could be on time. If I wanted to mm-hmm. remember something, I it, because uh, I would remember it. People would say that, but can I really blame them? Um, mm. For the lack of information, for the lack of mm. uh, access to awareness, um, yeah. but whether I can blame them or not, whether I can uh, accuse people for you know for putting me in a shell or not, mm-hmm. I still struggled. No one can take yeah. away from that. Uh, yeah. The struggle was real, and you are absolutely right. The, and, and the struggle was my fault. And I, I wonder as well if there's that thing of other people not necessarily blaming you, but you blaming yourself. Uh, that voice was definitely the loudest. Mm. Um, and if a person didn't blame, like here's the thing: if a player, it's that mm. um, if a person wasn't blaming themselves and then laughing it off, then other people mm. would be very quick to, quick to blame you. But if a yeah. person was beating themselves up too much. Even for the others, they might say, "Okay, you're you're going too far. You're beating." The, you get mm. the dynamic. Um, yeah. So it's I, it's like what came first, the chicken or the egg? Obviously, mm. uh, the blame I'm putting on myself is because of the expectations of the system. Uh, I didn't start blaming myself uh, right as right from childhood. It's not an innate mm-hmm. trait of mine to blame myself for yeah. everything. It was definitely a consequence or a program that came up mm. as a result of the upbringing or the place or the situation I was uh, growing up in. Um, but especially as an adult, I was definitely blaming myself. That that voice was extremely loud and extremely mm. constant. Come on, can't you even do this? Uh, yeah, uh, that, that, whole, that whole system that we have right now, uh, you know, of the regular nine to five job, of doing mm-hmm. all the chores at home, uh, and don't even get me started on the gender tropes in India. Mm. It's um, extremely rigid. Mm. Um, I know there are parts of the U.S. where gender roles are also very rigid here as well. I, I From everything I'm seeing online, there are communities where gender tropes are extremely rigid everywhere. Um, and the role of a woman is to be at home, raise her children, mm-hmm do the chores, do the same dishes every day, cook the same meals every every day, cook, in fact, cook three times a day because, uh, you know, in India, it's a big deal that you shouldn't eat leftovers, um, mm-hmm. which is still a big thing, even today in many parts of the country. Um, so you have to cook fresh every day. You have to clean up after every meal. You have to, you're, you're, the, the, you're, you're the child, you're the primary child caregiver uh, as a mm-hmm. mom. Um, taking them to the same uh, school activities year after year. And I'm thinking, 
wow, imagine if I was still living there and forced to live this mm. routine as a person with ADHD. Even here, I mean, even in the US, I do struggle, mm. but I'm living with a partner who's completely a 50-50 partner in terms of everything that needs to be done in the household, sometimes 60-40, sometimes 70-30, depending mm -hmm. on what I'm going through. Yeah. Um, and but imagine. How, how does that kind of land with like friends and family that are still in India though? Like sounds like it's not the norm there. Is, is there any issues with kind of explaining how your life is? Yes. Most of the times we don't even bother explaining. Mm. It's like, you're not living with us. You're not seeing the day to day. You may not understand everything that we're doing here. So why should we bother mm -hmm. you with that argument? Mm -hmm. It's easy just not to say. Yeah. And, um, and then when we uh, take, you know, when we take vacation trips back home, um, you know, I would get advice, you know, mm -hmm. uh, you know, it's, it's a, it's a good thing if you do, if you keep your house this way, you know, or if you do this at this mm -hmm. time of the day so that you can get done with it. And obviously all that advice is coming to me, mm -hmm. uh, you know, on how to raise kids properly or how to do things efficiently. So it still happens, mm. but, um, uh, we have chosen the battles we're going to fight. Um, I, I did have, um, very, um, uh, very hard conversations with my mom, um, mm. w um, when she came to, when she came to spend some time with us here, um, she's also grown as a person over the last several decades to where she's more embracing of different ideas than she was maybe 30 years ago. So I do, um, um, applaud her for growing. Um, there so but then it was still a very long hard conversation and mm. she might still not understand or accept everything i shared then but at least that information has been shared with her and if she continues to grow she's going to understand that more and more um so yeah we have to pick and choose our battles uh, in in a, in a system that is so rigid um, mm. And somebody was saying um, that it can be very exhausting to constantly fight for yourself and to make your situation yeah. uh, understood by the people who are judging. Um, so, and it is true, it is extremely exhausting to always have to explain yourself. And so my approach is just not to explain myself in situations if mm -hmm. it's not a real it's it's not really important if you can cruise along just letting them be because that's also um, um, you also have to uh, guard your energy that way i i know mm. some people don't accept it some some people believe that you have to make people are very if you don't speak up who will you know um which i completely uh, understand but then there's also this capacity our own mental capacity that we do have to protect because nobody is going to guard ourselves uh, or fight for, or protect ourselves um, if we don't do it. Yeah. There's so many questions I want to ask. And I, I want to, I think the question I want to ask, which is probably not the right one, but it feels like it's a good one, is what difference does it make to you when someone does take the time to understand? That's a deep question. I'm actually mm. trying to remember if someone did. 
besides my therapist. Mm-hmm. Um, because as wonderful as he is, my husband hasn't come and, well, <clears throat> no, I take that back. Um, he has come up to me after every appointment asking, how did it go? Do you want to share what you discovered? And then saying nothing after that. Just being there and listening to everything I learned in that appointment, everything I discovered about myself, or the work that I might need to do uh, now, you know, the little exercise sometimes that I might have to do. Um, And the first time my therapist just did the same thing, just sat there and listened without interrupting, without offering advice, without um, suggesting things that I can do, but instead just listening to my struggles. Um, I broke down so hard. I think I, 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 don't, I, I don't think I recovered the rest of that appointment um, because uh, it's not happened before. This is just my opinion from my very small world perspective is um, uh, we're talking a lot about this online. Uh, Not just ADHD, but a lot of things. I mean, I'm seeing more people open up about uh, bipolar, schizophrenia. We're hearing a lot of discussions and attempts by people to understand what their world looks like, Um, which which makes it very easy for someone, if, if they're not experiencing it, but if they're willing to listen and read and actually open up to that, it's very it makes it very easy to be empathetic because of sharing all that. But at the same time, I don't think even even though we're speaking so much about this online and opening about about, about this, I don't think there are enough people around us who are actually listening. You, you know what I mean? To sit with us. In, in in person and you know just not button or offer anything and just listen I, I don't think there's many people who know to do that or who even know or, or who even know how rare it is because once you ask that question I'm thinking other than my husband I don't think also and, and my therapist I don't think there's anyone who's actually um sat and wanted to listen like that and so I it's an epiphany right now for me to realize how rare that is. Mm. Um, and um, how much uh, I can maybe make a difference just by listening. Um, and not listening the traditional way. Like if you're not someone who's comfortable with eye contact or who's comfortable with, uh, you know, giving that kind of listening signals, oh, yes, really, or, you know, even if mm-hmm. you can't do that, but you're actually paying attention to what someone is saying, I think it's everything to that other person to have someone listen to them, to listen to their experiences and just allow them to pour out. It's unfortunate that we need to pay someone to listen like that. Mm. Uh, I know in it's a different healthcare system and a different uh, picture altogether in the UK, but you know, in the U.S., we still have to pay the therapist. Uh, 
with some out of pocket and things like that, it's still an expensive, uh, you know, access here in the U.S. Unfortunately, but it's just, uh, you know, now that you asked that question, it's amazing mm. that we have to pay someone to actually just sit and listen with us. Um. So yeah, it's everything. Mm. Mm. I think. Because I, I feel like some people might listen to this and feel guilty if they if they go, oh, I, I, I sit and listen. And it's that thing of like, it's totally normal of that thing of we listen and we try to help and we try to offer solutions. And it's difficult to sit in silence and listen of saying, actually, I'm helping by paying attention to you. It's absolutely it a skill. You're, you're right. It is difficult. Um, in fact, uh, we ourselves with ADHD, um, I've heard a lot of us, I don't, it's not a defining trait of ADHD, but a lot of people with ADHD want to button when someone shares an experience, say, I, I go through that too. Mm -hmm. Um, it's very hard to not do that mm. and just allow the other person to pour out. Um, you're absolutely right. And, um. And I think, like I said, you have these gender roles where you have to go for work and you have to cook mm -hmm. meals every day. You have to exercise. You have to uh, keep your house spick and span. You have to uh, maintain your car and your devices and mow the lawn. And you, you have to do so many things to live the normal life that where do you find the time there to sit and listen and give undivided attention to somebody also, right? Um, I, I feel like this entire, the, the structure of the typical life itself can, you know, we can, we can change it up a bit mm. um, because it's not just ADHD. This is too much for anyone to do. Um, and then someone with ADHD, it's a nightmare uh, to say you have to do this every day, you know, the, the cooking, the laundry, the dishwashing, mm. the, the chores uh, for, to take care of the kids, you know, the, the school drop-off, the school pickup, the school, again, then there's a thousand emails coming from the school corporation uh, or the teachers to give transparency, but then you can't keep up with all of that. Um, it's just too much. And mm -hmm. it's like, uh, you know, I mentioned this to you before, it's like taking a fish out of water, a fish that is so gifted in, swim in swimming and exploring the water world. You're taking that fish out of water and telling, uh, you're supposed to, bike and climb the tree and uh you know do do a sprint above land and you're, you're not able to do that come on what's wrong with you um and uh, uh i know i'm pivoting here mm. but uh you know we also spoke about um, adhd being a disability yeah. um and how much that i'm torn on that because the, that fish is so gifted in the water if mm -hmm. if you if the fish was left in the water to continue exploring its world and um you know, do its own thing in the water it's not a, it, it, able to have a gills and breathe in the water was not a disability because in that environment it is thriving you but you're forcing the fish to go out of water uh, live in a world that is not designed for the fish uh, work it uh, figure out how to survive there and not use any of the fish's gifts 
because you left it left all of that in the water. And then to say, tell the fish that you have a disability is doing such injustice to what the fish is really capable of. Um, so I'm torn on that. Yes, it's uh, it's difficult living in this normal world um, and doing normal things for a person with ADHD. But is that really a, a fault of the person with ADHD or a, or a inability or a deficit mm. in the person with ADHD or is it a deficit in the system? I, I have a lot of thoughts there, you know. Yeah. If that system was designed, uh, I was just saying how some kids who were diagnosed with ADHD as a child still struggled because they still didn't get the tools or weren't given uh, opportunity to have a system designed to make their mind work in the greatest way possible. And if you can just work, you know, imagine if a person with ADHD had a calling or a, a career where, which was not time bound, which was not like a nine to five rigid thing with specific timed meetings or, uh, you know, the, any of those kinds of time bound things, but more of a creative space for the person with ADHD, where uh, you just give them an environment uh, where they can use the tools like body doubling, hyperfocus, um, you know, just uh, encouragement, a listening mm -hmm. ear, just having a system designed for them that way. Would they really be struggling? Would they really have a disability? Um, or, or even a system where they, where they have a community that helps them take care of the normal things like eating on time or feeding their family or, you know, getting chores done or whatever. Um, it, it would, would they really feel like it's a disability at that point? Mm. So I have a lot of thoughts there, which are still evolving, but, um, yeah. Yeah, I, I can pivot a lot into this, even though your question had nothing to do with it. <laughs> it's a good, it's a good answer though. And I think it, it, where my head is at the moment, I'm thinking about an ex-boss of mine when we had a chat recently and he was saying to me, Chris, when we work together, you, I could give you anything and you would get it done. And I was like, yeah. And thinking back to his management style, it was very heavy on trust. It was very heavy on compassion and it was very heavy on like going like, I'm going to get, give you the problem. I'm going to explain why it's an issue and I'm going to leave you to get on with it and you're going to come back and you're going to have a solution. And it was that thing of like fully empowered ADHD of going like, yeah. And I did have to turn around to this ex boss of mine and say, yes, yeah, yeah, you could give me anything at that time because you were asking me and you were empowering me and it's those things that to remove those structures that get in the way of adhd or going actually that's how i was able to do it and even now i get asked in my um main job how do you do this stuff and i kind of laugh because it's, there's a, a lot of coordination a lot of chaos in my um, normal role and they go well, how do you do it? i go well, i've got adhd and people laugh at that and i go no no genuinely this is how i, I deal with it i have adhd i can focus on 25 projects at the same time um, because that's what's happening and in a crisis brilliant i can totally do that like that's it's a skill that can't be taught because it's part of the way that my brain functions and by having that ability and having that space to be able to do what i do best i'm able to thrive i mean you just shared a real world example of everything mm -hmm. i just said 
yeah. and it's not and, and it doesn't take much does it to no. to create a system that's empowering for us um it, it doesn't take too much to um tweak in the system you know you don't we don't have to reinvent the entire thing you mm. just need to you know make a few changes and have someone understanding and like you said trust is very big for us mm. um i have so much to say there um tell me because, tell uh, me tell me <laughs> <laughs> no i i'm sure you would relate to this how much our mm. short term memory can fail us um mm-hmm. sometimes and um you and uh, was it in your podcast that i heard some heard you say or was it someone else who said uh, not only that we have a short term memory that doesn't cooperate very well or tends to lose things out a lot but we are also very creative in filling those gaps and we might swear something happened when it absolutely didn't um but we have a very clear memory of doing that because our memory filled in those gaps for us um but even that when something like that happens since mm. childhood when we have a short term memory that is not cooperative and when we say we remember one thing but everyone around us are saying that never happened or you're not remembering it right it didn't happen mm. this way and right from childhood we start to lose trust in what we remember mm-hmm. or what we recall and that is an extremely debilitating thing for self image for our for for having belief in ourselves um and uh, we start to doubt ourselves constantly because of how frequently our m- memory has been challenged um and in fact some of the most uh recalled uh events from my past by the people who love me are mm-hmm. events where i forgot something ridiculous and yes they they recall it with absolute love and mm-hmm. absolute bewilderment that you know we have this incredible person who just forgot this you know such mm. a huge thing i can never this is a highlight of my life for them mm. but yeah. um and and they do it with a lot of love and i love those people and they are very important people in my life but a lot but you don't trust your memory you don't trust yourself mm. in many other things when your own memory is uncooperative and for someone with such a low self-worth to then come mm-hmm. into a place where someone can trust us saying i trust you to get this done mm-hmm. uh it's such a huge and rare thing to have from that person that we want and that we go overboard with our efforts um to and tools to be accountable to that person who trusts us mm-hmm. um and so uh yeah that's self-worth um uh, for because of memory is i think all of us with adhd might be able to relate to that it's such a huge part of our lives and um one of the biggest parts of the di- the you know of healing from mm-hmm. the past struggles with this diagnosis is um being able to still believe in myself in spite of all those memory gaps in spite of having an executive uh disorder that mm-hmm. struggles to do basic things and memory yes forgetting things that were told to me just 5 minutes ago and for and when i say forgetting it's not just because i was caught up with other things it's incredible mm. how 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 
100%. Like there is absolutely no memory of that happening five minutes ago. That's how much our memory works with us. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, it's that's to, to just work on our self-belief and accept having to live with these things. Um, I think it's, uh, I think it's very, very, it, it does require professional help. I think to be able to grow ourselves in spite of everything we're going through. And from the many people I've spoken with, even with the meds and even if meds do work, that that memory thing is always going to be a constant battle. Um, you still have to remember to take the meds the next day. Yeah. Um, and you might still forget at the end of the day when they wear off or when your energy is, you know, is sapped by the end of the day that it takes more out of our memory work, workability, for lack of a better word. We forget more end of the day because we're tired. So yeah, like you said, just having someone to trust us in spite of all that and say, you have a capacity. There is something that you're truly capable of. And I'm going to trust that you're going to do this. You're going to work with your tools. You're going to work around everything they're going through and you're going to get it done. And we, we will go all out for that person because it's so rare. Yeah. I think we return, I say we, ADHDs, or specifically myself, I will return a hundred times what you give me. So if you give me trust, I'll give you implicit trust. If you give me empowerment, I will really kind of return that back to you and say, this is what we've done together. If you give me mistrust, if you give me um, inconsequence, then that's what you're going to get in return as well. Harini, I'm aware that we started the session late as well, and I do want to give you time to kind of um, provide a summary as well. I just have one more question, if that's okay. Sure. Yeah. Um, so if someone is from India or from another place where mental health issues aren't um, talked about, what advice would you give them? Oh, my gosh. Um. I'm going to be very honest. I don't know mm. completely about the mm. situation um, mm. of mental health professionals and the setting in India mm. today. Um, mm -hmm. I have a, a, a few, um, just just a little that I, from the little I know, I have some faith mm. that things are getting better. Mm -hmm. um, and um, there's more access to like family counseling, group therapy, you know, just things like that. Um, and healthcare in India is an even bigger battle than it is here in the U.S., um, sad to say. So it does require the privilege of some, uh, you know, the, having income or some finance, uh, financial leeway to be able to seek help, uh, unfortunately. If my past experiences are an indication, um, there are resources uh, online to at least give some education to ourselves uh, as to what we're going through and maybe even some tools. Um, I know what I'm saying is not help, not much of a help, if I'm being honest. I mean, online resources will never mm -hmm. replace a professional input. Um, but I can say this, that mm -hmm. if we're struggling to get through the day, either because of a poor working memory or because of an emotional onslaught or because we're finding ourselves dragging because of say depression 
or going through the lows of bipolar, for instance, with really struggling to get through the day. Um, and you don't, and you've never uh, gone through, uh, you've never had a mental health evaluation. You've never gone to a professional. You don't even consider that, if, you know, the way I was, if that's how you are also. Um, that fact that you're struggling through the day is a sign that you may need to talk to someone. Mm -hmm. um, it is not okay. Uh, struggling to get out of the bed, struggling to eat something, just feed yourself, or uh, struggling to be a parent uh, because either you don't want to, because you can't, you don't have the energy, or because you're forgetting a lot. Um, mm -hmm. It's a sign that we probably need some help. That's a very clear sign. And there are too many people in India who are struggling like that. It's, it's, it's intense how much the struggle is. Um, uh, there, is there are some scary statistics about suicide in India. Uh, very scary statistics and uh, the uh, income uh, difficulties, um, on the concept of honor and mental health, they all mesh into this crazy web that contributes to that statistics. Um, so it is a very serious problem. So at least know that if you're struggling to get through the day, um, it's absolutely a sign that you might need to look for some help. Thank you so much. Harini, um, how can people follow you, get in touch with you, um, and just follow up afterwards? Um, well, I am there on, <laughs> I am there everywhere on the social media. Mm -hmm. I have a Facebook page. I have a Instagram presence. Um, uh, I mean, even on TikTok, but, um, and on threads and I'm everywhere as health it with Harini. Mm -hmm. Um, and at the moment I am most vocal about these things. And I talk about these things a lot and more, uh, on threads. Um, simply because as a person with ADHD, just typing my thoughts instead of having mm -hmm. to record videos and carousels, uh, seems very much, very simple right now. So you'll find if you, if you do want to learn more about the things I'm discovering and learning about mental health and women's health, um, you know, everything that a woman goes through the phases and all that, I talk about that a lot. Um, but yeah, you can definitely find me there. And even though you'll see that my Instagram and Facebook uh, content has not been very active uh, lately. I am extremely responsible, responsive on message. Um, if you have anything that calls you to have a chat with me. Wonderful. Thank you so much, Harini. It has been, I've been a little bit teary-eyed today listening to you. It has been really informative. Thank you so, so much. Oh, no, it's, thank you so much for doing this, Chris. Just... The last few episodes, um, uh, it, uh, honestly, um, the what Chris went through, the it's been a nightmare for me. My, my current nightmare is having ADHD and another illness that demands a routine to stay alive. Mm. And if I if I have to live with both of those, I think it's a nightmare. Um, mm. And and that and that there are people who are living like that who have an, an illness like diabetes that needs them to have a very, very strict routine. Mm -hmm. But then they also have ADHD that fights that routine every day. Um, so 
uh, having people on that talk about those things and uh, talk about so much more. Thank you so much for doing this. Um, I hope uh, a lot of people are you know, able to see the different voices and know that of all things, they're not alone. You're more than welcome. I do this. Yeah. Because I'm not important on this one. It is about the people who are listening to this and it is about the guests that come on. So thank you. I'm going to stop the recording there. And that's it for today's episode of This is ADHD. I hope that you have enjoyed today's conversation with Harini. I love having these conversations and I always find it interesting how similar and different I am to all my guests. Um, so, and if you want to follow the podcast, you can find us on Instagram and threads at this is ADHD podcast. This is where you'll find updates, polls and opportunities to engage with fellow listeners. And you can follow me personally at the coaching blacksmith. If you have any suggestions for future episodes or guests, do feel free to reach out. I really do love hearing from you and the feedback from people that listen really do make this all worthwhile. If you want to talk even more about ADHD or want to support the running costs of the podcast, I now have a Substack as well. So you can find and subscribe at thecoachingblacksmith.substack.com. As always, thank you so much for joining me and Harini today. I hope this episode was as interesting and as useful to you as it was to me. Thank you.